Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Seleme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Seleme Foundation and the Foundation's mission is Enabling Education in Africa. This week we'll be continuing on the previous topic which is Building Team Optimism. One of the most important things that a leader can do is show faith in those they lead. When you believe in your people, they will have greater belief in themselves. When your people believe in themselves, it lifts the level of optimism in your team. A leader who believes in their people builds affinity with those they lead. When you show faith in your people, your people also show faith in you. Human beings are such that when someone sees something great in us, something that perhaps we may not be seeing in ourselves, we want to spend more time with them and connect with them more so that we may see what they see in us. But teams led by leaders who don't believe in them find it easy to adopt a pessimistic attitude. The belief a leader has in the people serves as a type of fuel that energizes the team. When there is no fuel, there is no energy. And when there is no energy, productivity and effectiveness go down. Some leaders don't believe in their people simply because they don't believe in themselves. They've set limits upon themselves which, you know, they impose upon those they lead. Imagine if an athletics coach told his runners that the best speed that they could possibly run in the 100 meter dash is 20 seconds, simply because that's the best that the athletics coach can run. That would be grossly limiting to the athletes under that particular coach's leadership. It seems absurd, but that's exactly how some leaders lead. Just because it's impossible for you, it doesn't mean it's impossible for everybody else. What does the attitude we bring bring to the team? Some years back, I worked at an ad agency that lost a major client. The loss of this client meant that personnel from some of the departments had to be retrenched. In our department, one designer was singled out and informed that he was going to be retrenched. From the outside, the decision to retrench this particular designer was somewhat puzzling. He was good at his job, he'd been with the company for longer than most people in the department, and he knew the working process and procedures quite well. He didn't seem like the most likely candidate for retrenchment, so why did they choose him and not one of the other designers? Although he was good at his job and he had a lot of experience, he also had a very bad attitude. He would complain whenever he was given work to do. He would throw temper tantrums and he would, you know, go on long smoking breaks. Basically, he was very negative and his negativity and pessimism was doing a lot of harm to team morale and the general atmosphere within the creative department. Yes, he was talented and skilled, but his bad attitude outweighed his talent and that led to his dismissal. The attitude he was bringing wasn't bringing any good to the team. And when the time came to let someone go, he was the first pick. Some people believe that talent is enough to carry you through life. And although talent is important, it becomes diminished when it's mixed with a negative attitude. Many organizations would rather have a moderately talented person who possesses an excellent attitude than a very talented person with a negative attitude. A close relative of mine told me about a former colleague of his who was known to be very negative. At a certain time, 
That colleague decided to resign, and the managers in the department were not at all sad about it. In fact, they eventually asked her to leave a week earlier than she was scheduled to because, you know, of her negativity. They preferred paying her in full even for the days she wouldn't be there, rather than have her there and give her an opportunity to sow further discontent and negativity within the team. The money they would pay her seemed a small price to pay when compared to the potential damage that could have resulted from having her present in the office. Leaders must be aware of the attitudes that their team members bring, and they must be equally aware of what those attitudes bring to the team. In other words, how are those attitudes affecting team morale and performance? Are those attitudes bringing contentment or are they spreading discontentment? Are those attitudes birthing solutions or are they continually seeking to find problems? Are they unifying the team or are they sowing division? Effective leaders are like ready doctors who supply remedies when their teams suffer ailment. Optimism is one of the greatest signs of good health in a team. Pessimism is symptomatic of a team that is in bad health, and when pessimism goes untreated for too long, it festers and spreads and it can eventually bring death to the team. As a leader, you must diagnose your team, find out what the causes of the pessimism are, and remedy them. The health of your team is the wealth of your team. The healthier the atmosphere within the team, the better the results that will be produced. Opt for optimism. The choices we make end up making us, and one of the daily choices we make in our lives is in the area of attitude. Attitude speaks to how we view and react to life and all that happens in life. As one speaker said, we may not be able to choose the circumstances, but we can choose how we react to those circumstances. Close quote. It takes strength to opt for optimism even in the face of adversity. It takes a person of courage to see positivity even in the midst of discouraging circumstances. When a team comprises of such people, that team will face adversity and come out on top. That team may fall here and there, but it will certainly rise because the person who opts for optimism opens themselves up for great victories. There's a popular tale of two little mice that fell into a bucket of cream. They could either stay in there and drown, or they could try to get out. With death at hand, they struggled and struggled, but nothing seemed to be happening. The first mouse lost hope and he gave up and drowned. The second mouse opted for optimism, and this choice fueled him to keep trying until eventually he struggled so hard that he churned that cream into butter and he called out. Sometimes optimism gets tested, but it is those who are resilient in the optimism that eventually make it despite the negative circumstances. When you have an optimistic attitude, that which stopped others will not stop you. What negative circumstances are you facing right now? Are they negative financial circumstances? Are you facing a negative circumstance in your relationship? Is your team not performing at the level you know they're capable of performing? You may be feeling like a mouse stuck in a bucket of cream. If you keep an optimistic attitude and keep persisting, you too shall turn your cream into butter and you'll be able to get out and step into your freedom. The optimist is an optometrist. When you go to an optometrist, they do a test and check the state of your eyesight. The point of going there is so that you improve your vision. When you hang around optimists, 
They are like optometrists who clear up your viewpoint. An optimist attitude is contagious, and they have the ability to inspire those around them. They are not blind to life's challenges, but they look at those challenges with hope and faith. They see possibility where others only see difficulty. A team that is infused with optimism will overcome the hurdles and obstacles it faces because the team will look at those obstacles in a way that a pessimistic team will not. Optimists have a positive focal point, whereas others focus on what's wrong, what's difficult, what's heavy. The optimist focuses on finding the solution. The optimist focuses on figuring out what the opportunity is, what great thing can rise out of this, what are we learning and how are we growing from this. They are looking at the same thing, but the optimist is seeing what seems to be hidden from other people. Let the optimist lend you their glasses so that you may see life through their perspective. If you do, you may never want to remove those glasses. You may begin seeing details which seem to be previously hidden from you. You may begin seeing wider or further than you were able to before. Optimists are not short-sighted people. When you're optimistic, your perspective allows you to see better where you're going and you are better enabled to get to your desired destination. An optimistic team has 20-20 vision because their perspective is clear and it's easier to sell the team organizational vision to them. Pessimists, on the other hand, are full of doubts. They drag down the team and they make the journey wearisome and long. They stumble because of their blurry, pessimistic views. They also pollute the environment with their toxicity. Pessimism is poison. It poisons the culture of the team and it kills hope. It poisons the views of other members and kills the positive team spirit. When poison enters the body, it attacks the various parts. Likewise, when pessimism enters the body of a team, it can make the body utterly sick and when the body or team is sick, it cannot function optimally. Some of the sicknesses and dysfunctionalities that exist in your team are there because of the pessimism that may exist in your team. You have to begin by looking at yourself and your own perspectives. Are you a pessimistic or optimistic leader? How do you approach the challenges and obstacles that arise in your team? With what spirit do you approach them? As a leader, you have influence over the attitude of the team. If you are pessimistic and you exhibit pessimism, the team is likely to board that same pessimism train and that train will not take the team anywhere worthwhile. The pessimistic road seldom leads to a positive place. It leads to defeat. Pessimism itself is a sign of a defeated spirit that sees no hope in a particular situation. Some couch their pessimism by calling it realism, but there is a difference between being realistic and being pessimistic. Being realistic means analyzing a situation and taking stock of the facts presented before you. At this point, there is no particular attitude attached to these facts. Perhaps the facts say that you need to increase your revenue by 30% in the next financial quarter or phase liquidation. The pessimist will begin expressing great doubt as to whether it can be done, but the optimist will express faith that it will be done. Either viewpoints will inform the action that will be taken from them. Believing that it cannot be done, the pessimist will act in such a way that failure becomes the product that is produced but the optimist will take positive action that leads to success.
The viewpoint is important because it plays such a vital role in determining the leaders and the team's action and response. Optimist, optimize. Optimists are people who optimize. They optimize team performance because they encourage the team to excel. Their approach allows them to take full advantage of the opportunities that are present around them, and so they optimize opportunities. They optimize relationships because people want to connect with people who see potential and who are able to inspire them. A negative attitude breeds melancholy, but an optimist is able to spark happiness and joy in other people. There are many people who are not optimizing their lives. They are not optimizing the time they have, the talents they have, and the relationships they have. If you are not optimizing, then you are not reaping the full benefits. You are eating the crumbs instead of devouring the full buffet. You are going hungry in the abundance of provision simply because you are not taking full advantage of the platform you've been given. It would be a pity to starve in the midst of a banquet. It's important that we evaluate our lives, our leadership, our team, and find the places where optimization is needed. We've discussed the many benefits and spin-offs that optimism brings in a team, but how does one go about developing this optimism? Here is a number of different ways which work quite effectively when used in conjunction with one another. We've touched on a number of them previously, but I'd like us to detail them in a succinct and easy to comprehend manner. A. Develop an exciting vision. We say that one of the factors that can inform the levels of optimism is members' feelings about the future of the team organization. So, developing an exciting vision is important for the development of optimism. Vision has to do with imagery and what is seen, and so it's important to paint vivid pictures when talking about the vision. You should not just verbalize the vision. You should also create visual cues and visual aids that help to bring the vision to life in the minds of those you're engaging with. In 2019, our church embarked on a massive building project, and every Sunday, a design of the finished structure would be put up so that the congregants would be able to clearly visualize the vision. It would create a sense of optimism when we'd see that building. People would also be energized to contribute towards the manifestation of that vision. If you want your people to be actively engaged, make the vision exciting and challenging, and also show them how they will benefit from the fulfillment of the vision. It's also important to show mutual benefit. The vision shouldn't be just for the benefit of the leader or certain individual. All who are working towards the vision should have a share in the spoils. Does your vision show collective benefit or does it only benefit you? Is the vision there to make you look intelligent and eloquent, or is it there to serve, benefit, and help manifest the innate potential and power of the team? Motives matter. B. Develop a spirit of camaraderie. Vocabulary.com describes camaraderie as a feeling of trust, a bond created by a shared goal or experience. You don't have to be best friends with everyone in the group to know you have their support. Close quote. When there's a spirit of camaraderie within a team, the chances of success increase. People who have a shared goal or who are supportive of one another are much more likely to triumph over their obstacles because they will not be facing those obstacles by themselves. If one team member is facing a challenge, perhaps there's a demanding client whom they are in 
you know, in charge of handling and the workload increases to a point where they can no longer cope. Other team members will gladly support them by taking on some of the load. This spirit of camaraderie does wonders in terms of creating bonds in teams and it makes people aware of the fact that they need one another. When people need one another, they will feed one another. If a person plays a role in your success, then it's in your best interest to look out for them. To help them is to help yourself. If they can be united and know that they are supported, they will feel a lot more secure. And when people feel secure, they have higher levels of optimism. The term comrade is also often used in the military where teamwork can be the difference between life and death. When the decision made by a team member could decide whether you live or die, it teaches you to trust one another. It makes brothers and sisters out of total strangers. When you are comrades, you don't stab each other in the back. If a soldier kills a soldier who's wearing the same uniform as them, then they are weakening their own defenses and they are strengthening the enemy. Comrades fight for a common purpose. They fight the battle, not one another. See, develop authenticity. Authenticity is another quality which helps to strengthen and elevate teams. Authenticity begins at the top. If the leader doesn't exemplify this attribute, it is unlikely to be present in the team. Are people allowed to be themselves on the team? Do they have that freedom or do they feel compelled to wear masks and put on a facade? Do people have the freedom to express their fatigue or stress or is there a taboo on your team? Are people free to burst out in laughter when they want to? Are they free to express a different opinion or do they live and work in fear within the team? A major part of being authentic is being vulnerable and being vulnerable means being able to showcase not only your strengths but being able to admit your weaknesses as well. The word used in the preceding section is freedom because freedom is at the core of authenticity. You have to feel free enough within the team to show vulnerability. Some believe that showing vulnerability is a sign of weakness, especially when leaders do it. But in fact, it is real strength. It is admitting that you are human and flawed and that you've not seen it all, nor do you know it all. When a person is able to be vulnerable with others, they will be more respected than the one who professes to be perfect because we all know that no one is perfect. Authenticity is a hard issue and it requires pure intentions and motives. It's hard to be authentic if you have malice and you do not have the best interests of your people at heart. Authenticity means being upfront about issues pertaining to the team, correcting what needs to be corrected and rewarding what needs to be rewarded. Authenticity is having a genuine desire to right wrongs so that we can all step back into the right path. Authentic leaders have a clear conscience and they have compassion for the team. Some people believe that brutal honesty is equivalent to authenticity. And while that may be true in part, it is also true that the motive, approach and manner in which the truth is spoken is important. Again, it is a hard matter. There's a difference in approach when you correct someone you care about versus someone you do not care for. When you care about someone, you are careful in your approach. But when you do not care about them, you are careless with your words and careless with their emotions. When you have integrity, you are able to walk with your head held high and you are able to look people in the eye and know that you have done right by them.
Without authenticity, there is no integrity and there is little honor. Inauthentic leaders always feel a need to assert their authority and they force their titles down the throats of their teams. But authentic leaders feel no need to do such things. Because they are authentic, their teams have an affinity towards them that is natural and genuine. Authentic leaders make it easy to follow them and they produce authentic teams that connect well and that go on to excel. Well, we've come to the end of this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. Do tune in next time. Cheers.